Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Okay, you finally made the choice to divorce. It took a long time. You thought about it long and hard. You wondered if you were doing the right thing, but you did it. Okay, so are you still telling the story? Are you still in the ain't it awful and he or she done me wrong category? Today's guest is Tanya Carter, and she is going to talk to us about divorcing your story. Stay tuned. Welcome to Save Your Sanity Podcast. I'm Dr. Roberta Shaler. Are you living with the chaos, confusion, and uncertainty that a toxic person loves to create? Is a partner, parent, ex, sibling, child, or coworker causing you to second-guess yourself? That can be crazy-making. I'm here to help you save your sanity. So let's get down to it and figure some things out now. Stay tuned. Welcome to Save Your Sanity Podcast. Glad you're here. Hope you're returning because you found value. Delighted if you just found us. And now you know there's a safe place to get information about how to respond to a toxic relationship and how to grow beyond living in a toxic relationship, maybe even never to find one again. Cool, right? (laughs) So we're going to be talking about that today. And my guest today is Tanya Carter. She's the author of this book, Divorce Your Story, A Woman's Guide to Heal and Thrive After Divorce. Now, why is that important for us today? Because we don't want to stay stuck in that story. And that's a common thing to do. Now, if you're finding value from the podcast, I invite you to go over to patreon.com slash save your sanity and share a dollar, five dollars, something each month in order to continue with this. That would be really helpful. So thanks for doing that. Patreon.com slash Save Your Sanity. We want everybody to have the tools and the insights and the strategies and the skills that they need to manage toxic relationships and if the choice is to leave them, to recover and regain that sense of self, that sense of self that will allow you to love and trust again. And Tanya has learned to do that. So let me tell you a little bit about her. She's a relationship coach, and she specializes in helping women navigate through the process of uncoupling by providing support, advice, resources, and tools that help mitigate interruptions in the business, work performance, and household obligations. As I said, she's the author of this book, Divorce Your Story, and she has a podcast called The Reinvent You Podcast. She facilitates a 12-week Thrive course that walks women through the process of overcoming divorce and healing. And I want to read you something from the back of her book. She says, experiencing divorce, becoming a single mom of two, and losing five jobs in a four-year time frame allowed me to place limitations on how far I could climb. Those experiences led to placing blame, staying a victim, and feeling like a failure. Ever had those thoughts? My attitude towards myself and life resulted in making choices that went against my character as well as feeling stuck. I would say I was fine and even wore the mask of pretending, but deep down I knew I wanted more. 
I got tired. Anybody relate? I bet they do. Welcome to the show, Tanya. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate the fact that you have gone beyond the divorce story and stopped telling the ain't it awful story and found a way to help people to move forward. And people wanting to know more about this can find more at tanyacarter.com, T-O-N-Y-A-C-A-R-T-E-R.com. So tell me, once we understand that the only person we have full control over, as you say in the book, is ourselves, then life becomes simple. How does life become simple? <laughs> um, well, well, first of all, that's a very good question. Um, I believe for me, I made life more complicated by trying to be in control of people and the outcome. And when I could not get what I thought I wanted, that's when I lost control, actually, because I used to allow that to determine my moves, my attitude, my thoughts, and my emotions. And when I really mentally got the concept that, Tanya, you're the only person in this world that you honestly have full control over. That's when I made life much simpler. Does it mean that everything was easy? Absolutely not. It just allowed me to focus on what I could do as well as release the things that I couldn't do. Yeah, I think that's brilliant because it's so important for us not to put our lives in other people's hands. And if we keep saying, oh, my life would have been so different if so-and-so hadn't done something or if I hadn't been deprived or if I hadn't been neglected and all. And these are valid things to look at. They're good questions for self-reflection. However, don't let them become the reason you're not having the life you can have. And I think that's your point, that it is quite possible. So tell us your story. How did it happen that you wrote this book? <laughs> well, honestly, I didn't even think this was going to be my journey um, to write a book and talk about divorce. You know, that wasn't a part of my plan. Um, I've been divorced for a while. Actually, I've been divorced for um, close to 10 years. Actually, I have been, actually it was 10 years this year, but I realized that I was really stuck in my story for about half of the decade. And, um, my father had a heart attack back in 2015. And that's when I had that moment of an aha, like, you know what? I'm really not feeling my life. I don't like the direction. I don't like the men I keep choosing. I don't like even the career I got. Why should I just be a single mom that settles? Why am I putting limits on how far I can go? Mm -hmm. Why am I still stuck in a story that I don't want to be attached to? Like, it really woke me up because my father is very important to me. I mean, he was here at my home the day before he experienced his heart attack, and it just really made me think how quick life can really change. And I didn't want to wake up at the end of my life still saying and quoting the same exact story. And that's when I realized I needed to divorce it all. Like, it wasn't about my ex at that point. It was more about me and my mental mindset and the residue that a divorce can leave behind. 
Yes, there's a lot of that, a lot of detritus, a lot of debris, a lot of residue. Right. And we can actually build a condo and live in the past. It doesn't surface very well, but many people do that for a while. And as I said earlier, you know, okay, it's cool. You're going through a whole lot. You've made a lot of decisions. You're not sure you did it. There's some learning, there's some thinking, there's some thinking through, there's some feeling your way through. That's going to happen. That's natural. But as you were saying, okay, it took me a while, but then all of a sudden I looked around and said, is this okay with me? Is this how I want to be? Are these the thoughts I want to have every day? Is this is what I want to bring to the party of life? (laughs) (laughs) And we really are in control of what we bring to the party. I mean, yes, we all have stories, we all have things, we have skeletons, we have difficulties, we have anxieties, we have wonderful joys and successes, the whole nine yards. But the question is, in this moment, what am I choosing, correct? Correct. What am I choosing? And and knowing that we really have a choice, there's power in choosing. And sometimes when things don't go the way it's planned, we forget that we still have the choice to choose a new path. And so I had to gain my power back by saying yes to a new story and creating a new script and being the author now, as opposed to keep saying, well, because this happened and putting limits on that, I had to choose that I would not do that to myself. And Mm -hmm. that's how I got my power back. That's how I made life simple. And then that's how I gained my control. Yes. And that sounds like something that just happened so easily. And it didn't. I know you had to work at it. I know you had to pick yourself up and turn yourself in a new direction every day. Because we're comfortably uncomfortable with our past. To actually turn around and face in a new direction by choice, on purpose, with intentionality is often something that we don't even realize we can do. And at that moment when we realize it, that's when power seeps in. Now, Save Your Sanity is all about toxic relationships. So would you say that you divorced from a toxic relationship? Yes. Um, Yes, I was... I was addicted to the struggle. Mm -hmm. Um, As crazy as that may sound and as hard as that was for me to admit, I was addicted to struggle. Um, And I didn't realize that that was toxic. I define toxic as maybe physical abuse or something along those lines or even verbal abuse. Mm-hmm. but it was the mindset that I had of believing my, of knowing my, of my worth. I didn't realize that I could actually be in a healthy relationship when someone showed up. I had a, I had a struggle of wanting to fix men and that's unhealthy. That that's what I mean. Not I had only that unhealthy, type. but quite impossible. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. And I had a struggle of, um, entertaining men who were emotionally unavailable and that was my pattern and so one thing about divorcing your story or definitely for myself I had to look at my relationship patterns and I felt like I was dating the same type of man just a different man meaning that he was a different name different social but the traits were exactly the same 
but my story was the victim, right? And so staying attached to that story didn't allow me to divorce it because I was, it was, woe is me. But when I got to the point where I was ready to let go, I couldn't make any excuses. I couldn't, I couldn't validate it anymore. I couldn't look for people to cheer me on anymore. I had to just accept the fact, you know what, Tanya? You are addicted to struggle love. And that is a real disease that many people have. And I didn't think it, I could be addicted to it because I handled my business. I worked every day. I knew how to pay my bills. I'm an independent woman. How can I be addicted to the struggle? And so I didn't think that that was me. And so I, I had to come to a, a place of acceptance and understand that I was a functioning struggle love addict. And I think that happens to a lot of people. And, you know, let's take this in small bites because that's a lot. Maybe someone just heard that for the first time, addicted to struggle love. Well, we come by that naturally sometimes from the homes that we've had modeled to us when or someone has limited our thinking to say, well, this is as good as it gets or why would you expect more? What are you thinking? You deserve more than that. All kinds of things get implanted in us as we're growing up. And so when we recognize that, hey, this is all about struggle. Is that okay with me? You know, whether or not we're even talking about a relationship, we may have that approach to life. Like life is hard. It's going to be a struggle. We're not going to have enough. People are going to want to make life more difficult. We're not going to have enough money. We'll never get where we want to go. Who do you think you are? (laughs) We just have a ton of ways that we receive messages that say, that's enough for you. You know, why would you, who do you think you are, young lady, that you should have more than that? You know, I remember my mother used to say that to me. Who do you think you are? You're always trying to do something else. Now I'd say, I'm a person who can. Oh, that used to annoy her. It used to annoy her because it touched a place in her that had never allowed her to be who she could be. So she was addicted to her story of, I never got to go to college. I could have been a fabulous businesswoman. She could have. Nobody would have liked her, but she could have probably had a successful (laughs) business because she was really an unpleasant human being. Mm -hmm. But the thing is that our upbringing leaves us with certain stories that become prevalent in our family or prevalent in our relationship with our family. And then we go and play it out. So you brought up the second point I want to highlight, which is you start attracting a certain kind of man or woman in your life. And then, strangely enough, you get rid of one and up pops another. And that's because we have to stop and look at, hey, what am I doing? What is it about me that they are attracted to? What is it about me that allows them to stay around without my examining them? And so often it's like, oh, I'm just lucky somebody loves me. Oh, isn't it wonderful that someone's giving me attention? And we we settle, as you said, for far less than is possible for us. So how do you make that switch, Tanya? How do you make that switch? Well, it's... wouldn't it be great if it really was just a switch, you know, just turn it off and turn it on, but it's, it definitely wasn't on that level. Um, I, I think if I can be honest with you, 
I was never naive. And what I had to also understand that I was watering my own self down. And that was a truth I had to bring. So in other words, I had to give myself a gift of truth. I had to stop sugarcoating it. I had to stop acting like I didn't see the signs. It wasn't that nothing was not there. I just didn't allow myself to see it because when you want something or you want to be loved or even accepted, you are willing to overlook any red flag that's there. Um, One thing in the women that I even work with, it's not that they're right. right, That red flag is it's clear as day. And if I can be honest, the, the women that I even talk to and work with, it's not that they aren't aware. It's just that they've now finally given them that, that honest, good, butt, butt punching truth that, you know what? I saw it. I just didn't want to see it. I mm-hmm. wanted them to love me. I thought that if I did this, then they would come around. I believe that if I could change them or maybe in time. So we tell ourselves that story that we also need to divorce of believing that we can make people change. And so when I had, I had to just get to the level of truth. I had to take the mask off. I had to stop pretending and I had to just be honest and believe it or not, that is more powerful than anything else because now you can, when you come forth and start being realistic and being honest about your story, then that's when you can be set free. And that's when you're willing to do what is required for you to create a new narrative. That's the first thing. Oh yeah. So let's break that down a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Two big things that I I want to talk about. One of them is beautiful, beautiful image. You watered yourself down. So you did not make yourself equal to the people in your life that you did not say, okay, well, I have needs, I have standards, I have boundaries. You know, I find this so often, you know, because I have clients all over the world because I work through video. And sometimes they'll say, well, you know, I'm going to date. I'm going to go and do an online dating profile. What do you think I should say? And when I asked them what they were thinking of saying, what they were thinking of saying was, what they thought somebody else would like to hear. And when I say to them, no, this is your opportunity to put out what is it that you want? What is it that you expect? What is it that would make you happy? And clearly say, you know, what won't? Right. And they're like, really, can I say that? Will anybody be attracted to that? Yes, The right people will be attracted to that. Now, okay, ladies, for sure, some men don't read. They only look at the photograph and say, I want that. Okay, (laughs) I understand that. (laughs) But you can only do your homework and hope that maybe that fellow who is discerning will actually read. And he will say, oh, There's a woman who thinks. There's a woman who knows who she is. There's a woman who knows what she wants. And, of course, the same things are true for men putting profiles on about women. Mm -hmm. But it's important for us to know ourselves at that deep level. Like, what is okay with me? What is not okay with me? What attracts me? What doesn't attract me? Um, What would make me run for the hills? And what would make me run towards you? Very, very important (laughs) things, you know. And so you were talking about watering yourself down. Say a little bit about what you meant. Um, 
I can definitely speak for myself when I say I have a very high discernment. Um, it, nothing really can get past me. And I'm again, I don't know if it's just me, but I, I can only speak for myself. But and so I used to act like something wasn't there when I knew it was mm-hmm. because mentally I thought if I showed up being my authentic self, then they may not really approve of me. So let me kind of act like I don't know or make them think that they're right when I know what I saw or I know what I've heard. And one thing about that is that's what allowed me to keep being more disconnected to who I was because I kept playing against my authentic self a lot in relationships because I didn't think they could handle what I would say because I do, I am an alpha female. And um, sometimes when you are an alpha female, you can come across, you know, maybe dominant and maybe extremely honest. And so, you know, sometimes being that woman, you're often told that you shouldn't be that type of woman in relationships because who would, no one wants someone like that. And if you're not careful, you know, you'll water yourself down for that and then you'll end up overlooking what's there, like that red flag we just waved, right? And um, I couldn't do that anymore. I said, you know what, what do I want? But first I had to find myself first to know that. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes we're just out looking for something, but we, we don't know what we need until we know who we are. And living in that is what's important. You know, it's one thing to say, I know who I am, but are you living that truth? Are you being that authentic person in all relationships? You know, and so I realized that I wasn't. And I had to let that go first. I had to go on my own journey and find me before talk about looking for someone else or designing a relationship. I think the most important person besides the relationship you have with yourself is the person that you choose to bring into your life. And I wasn't very intentional about that. And then it caused, and I was breaking my own heart. And so I was like, I'm not watering down myself anymore for anybody. You know, um, I love that. We've all got to just take a moment and put that in our minds. I'm not watering myself down for anybody. That would make a big difference in your love life. It'll make a big difference in your work life. And it'll make a big difference in how you feel about yourself every morning. (laughs) Right. Because I think I woke. That's why I was so angry. I was angry more at myself because I was going against what I know I shouldn't do. I mean, even when I decided to divorce my story, it even got more deeper than just my marriage. It was just me. I guess also looking for parental approval. Oh yeah. Um, you know, just well, you should go to college for this and you know, you should get you should get married and you should do this. And I was more mad because the outcome of my life did not meet the expectation that I had for myself. And it couldn't meet it because I wasn't living the life that I wanted. I was looking for approval in my early twenties. I wanted my parents to approve of me and I thought doing certain things would do that, even though I knew they loved me, but I still felt like there was a part of me that felt like I had to maybe live a certain type of life thinking that that would make them love me. That was, you know, and I had to learn that, you know what, I'm going to be accountable for my life at the end of it and no one Mm -hmm. else. And I can't keep trying to make everybody like happy because it actually made me angry. It really made me so angry. And I lashed out a lot, even as a single mom, I did. And it it just wasn't healthy. And so I had to divorce everything Mm -hmm. and just create my own story. Yeah. 
Well, I think that that's a common piece of what we call in the psychological world, my world, (laughs) individuation, is there's a point at which we have to make the transition from who our parents want us to be to thinking about who would I like to become and where's the match there. And that's the moments when you know, oh, it's uncomfortable. Like (laughs) mom and dad want me to go in this direction and, you know, love your mom and dad, but going over here and will you still love me? Will that be okay? Is there going to be conflict? Is there going to be, you know, those sort of blindsiding remarks when you walk in the house? Absolutely. Or you're not successful when you begin doing what it is you wanted to do rather than they wanted you to do. And then it's like, I told you so. If only you followed the advice. I'm sure there are a lot of listeners right now, Tanya, who are saying, (laughs) oh, yeah, I know that one. And sometimes, you know, we don't do it at, at 20 or 21. We end up finally recognizing the penny drops when we're 30. But as long as it drops, that's the important thing. Yeah. And we want to become self-validating. And, you know, what you were talking about, about the approval of parents. Well, we have to shift in that individuation to be approving of ourselves. And that may use a whole different measuring stick. And that's good. It's okay. You're allowed to. You have permission. Please do it. Right. Yes. One of the most exciting things is when I get a client who is like 25 years old. It doesn't happen as often as I wish it did. But they come and they say, you know, here's what life looks like. I want you to help me know what life can become. And I'm like, yes. Yes, you're not going to be 40 and and sitting down and saying, oh, you know, I wish I'd done this earlier. And I hope everybody who's listening realizes that this is the moment. If you're only hearing this for the first time, or you're, and I don't mean you're just hearing the words, I mean that it's getting down to your soul and you're going, whoa, maybe time to have a look at that. Do that. And if you want to talk to Tanya, you find her at tanyacarter.com, T-O-N-Y-A-C-A-R-T-E-R.com. And you might want to read her book because if this is all making sense to you as it is to me, go and read her book, Divorce Your Story, A Woman's Guide to Heal and Thrive After Divorce. So this is exciting stuff and it's valuable. Now, even if you didn't divorce, this is super valuable it is. because you are the author of your reality <laughs> it is. and don't let anybody take it from you. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, even for people who who's never been married and may have just struggled in maybe the relationship area is still the same. It is still the same. And um, when you lose a relationship, it is like grieving the loss of a loved one. And one thing that I see is that we successfully plan for staying married, right? We successfully plan for retirement. We successfully plan to get the home or get the car we want to travel. However, we still have to successfully plan for adversity and divorce in a breakup and a relationship ending or even constantly repeated unhealthy relationships, we have to plan to successfully get out of that because you will accidentally stay in it if you don't intentionally get out of it. Yes. And you said something in your book that, that uh, I wanted to ask a question about because you said in the very, very beginning, 
<laughs> that shame and guilt go along with divorce. I don't actually believe that that's true. Mm -hmm. But tell me why you said that. Well, because I would definitely say just from a personal experience and then also working with clients, um, with female clients, the, the guilt and the shame of feeling like a failure. Believe, you know, one thing about me, I like to win. I mean, I am a competitive person. Oh, goodness. I'm just, and I want to win. And when I didn't, when my marriage didn't work, I associated that with failure, which also created shame and guilt because I didn't talk about it. I didn't say, you know what, I'm not okay. I thought I had to wear the mask because, again, that external part of me is a strong woman who will get things done. And so when you go through something like a divorce, people tell you you're strong. You'll be okay and you will. However, that didn't mean that you're not okay at that moment. And I was not okay. I just wasn't. I, when him and I decided this was done, I lost my job two weeks later. And then I lost four jobs in a total of a five-year um, time frame from 08 to 2012 when the recession was going on. My children were a lot much younger. You know, he had already moved on quickly into another relationship. They had already had a baby. Yeah. And I was just like, okay, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So you start to question, like, what did I do? What's wrong with me? You, you know, everyone knows about it. So you, you feel maybe a little shame. You feel shame there. You even may feel guilty because you didn't keep your family unit together. So for me, because I'm a winner, I'm like, okay, so that means my kids come from a broken home now. The story I was telling myself. And so that story allowed shame and guilt to be my cousin. And so that's why I stayed attached to that. I get that for sure. You know, I think that particularly in, in different parts of the country and in different cultures and things, things are attached in different ways. And yeah. I think there is a perennial kind of feeling like marriages should work. When, when you know, I've written 16 books and, and when I wrote Kaizen for Couples, which is the book that it, the subtitle is Smart Steps to Save, Sustain and Strengthen Your Relationship. Of course, mm -hmm. it's written for helping couples stay together. It's help for helping couples who need to determine whether or not they should stay together. But so very important to realize that there are things that you can do. And if you've done them all and it doesn't work, you're a success. Where I find that the failure comes in is people who, and I talk about it in the book, are in what I call a hokey pokey relationship. <laughs> you went into the relationship thinking, well, if it doesn't work out, I can get a divorce. So they had one foot in and one foot out, and that's what it was all about, right? right? And so that's a different mindset than I'm all in, and if it doesn't work, that was terrible, and we have the opportunity of making a shift to say, if I did everything I could do, living in integrity and authenticity with who I am, and it was not possible for us to stay together or maybe wise in the case of toxic relationships, mm -hmm. even though I'm going through all these feelings, keep top of mind that actually this was the smart thing to do. This was the best thing to do. Right. Modeling a bad relationship for your children for too long is not smart. 
thank you. I'm, I'm so happy you said that, but you know, that's, I need to bring you on my podcast. <laughs> Seriously. That's oh, we'll talk about that. But do you know, it, it just isn't. And I, for those of you listening and you're thinking, well, maybe I can make it work. Maybe I can make it. Maybe you can't. But are you taking an active role? Do you, are you working with someone who's going to say, what about this? What about this? What about this? What do you value? What's your vision for life? What's your vision of relationship? Where did you get these ideas? Do you still hold them or are they old and inherited and adopted? Or are they fresh and new from who you are right now? And how does that fit with who you want to be and who you want to show your children uh, you, they can be? Yes. And there are way more factors to relationship than am I being a good partner? There are two of you there. You know, I say all the time, Tanya, (laughs) that, you know, stools that only have two legs don't stand up very well. And in every relationship, there are two me's and a we so that we can have a three-legged stool. And many times I hear people who are kind of entitled, well, I didn't get what I want and I didn't do this and he or she didn't do all of these things. And my question is, and what did you contribute to the we? Because they're completely unaware that the we has to win sometimes and maybe both people are not getting what they want, but the relationship got some glue. Absolutely. That's that. I mean, I I had to learn how to do relationships. I had to learn how to show up. I needed to understand relationships. And I don't think that was something I was ever really taught. And I just, I really had to learn that part. I really did. I think everybody does. You know, we go along with the idea that, okay, we've seen all these movies, maybe a little too much Hallmark. Um, We've seen all (laughs) all the disasters. Uh, We've watched a little bit too much investigation TV. (laughs) Um, We've got these models in our homes. We've got people in our houses that people say, we're not going to talk about that one, you know. Uh, We've got people that say, oh, you want to be just like this. I remember when I was a little girl, there was this woman who now, honestly, I think I would probably be ill if I had to be around her. But my mother always used to say, you should be like Agnes. And she was like this quiet woman who very efficient, always perfectly turned out, never married, Mm. um, you know, but she was bending and shaping and doing everything she could to put on this beautiful facade. Yep. And I was supposed to be like her, you know, like that's really difficult when your mouth is full of foul tasting things you want to spit, not swallow. Right. (laughs) Right. And my mother's trying to throw, put this down my throat. Like you should be like this woman. And I'm like, I don't want to be like her. Right. So we have things like that that happen in our lives and we want to question those. Who am I now? What do I want? What do I think? What if every possibility in the world were available to me, which it is, and I can choose among them as opposed to choosing from my past. So many important things to talk about for sure. And in your book, you offer 19 things to divorce beyond your story. So isn't that intriguing? You're going to want to read that book. Remember, Divorce Your Story by Tanya Carter. So, Toxic relationships, they can be very difficult. We all know that. That's what the podcast is about. 
attracting another one, oh, do your work first, please, 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 so you're not attracting another one. And then when one comes by, make sure you whip off those rose-colored glasses so you won't miss the red flags. Really important. Do you have any last words of wisdom for everybody before we wrap up for today, Tanya? Um, I think the only thing I just want to encourage people to do is change your story. Honestly, um, get the help if if you need it. Um, I was, um, I would definitely say I was very stubborn in that area. I didn't think nothing was wrong with me. I was like, oh, he's the problem. I'm good, you know. But then I, I again, when I woke up, when I say woke up, I'm just talking about mentally. And I just saw that my life was, it was a different year. I was a different age, but the same things just kept reoccurring. And I had to just say, you know what? I don't want this. And make that decision, regardless of who has what to say, regardless of what your family may think, regardless if everybody even approves of you making this shift. I mean, this is your life and you're the author. And, And I really just encourage anyone who's out there who is really tired of being where they don't want to be allow yourself to change the story you are the author pick up the pen you determine what pages have been written what has already been written we can't do anything about forgive yourself give yourself grace and compassion and understanding that you are human you're not a robot you don't get everything right and you still won't even on the new journey but you will never allow yourself to see what could be if you stay where you don't want to Beautifully said. So much to talk about. My guest today is Tanya Carter. She's the author of Divorcing Your Story. You can find her at Tanya Carter again. It's in the show notes. If you happen to be out for a run or driving in your car, you can always go back and find that. She has a free gift for you. And that free gift is her her program. It's called The First Step to Anything is a Changed Mind. So she offers us the seven core affirmations guide that focuses on faith, mindset, emotions, health, finances, relationship, and purpose. Well, you want to jump all over that, don't you? So um, that will be in the show notes too, the link to get that free guide. Thank you for being my guest, Tanya. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. So we've had a great talk today. I hope that it has caused you to think a few new thoughts and see a few new possibilities. Enjoy this show. Invite other people to enjoy it too. Make sure you subscribe so you'll always know when the new episode airs. And you know what I'm going to say because I say it every single time. So the, the thing is, treat yourself well. Take good care of yourself. You're precious and you matter. And do that until we talk again. Take good care. Thank you for joining me on the Save Your Sanity podcast today. I hope you've had some new insights, some ideas and strategies to help you gain clarity and confidence for moving forward toward greater emotional health and safety. You deserve that, and so do your children. If you found value here and would like to support this podcast with a dollar or five each month, please do so at patreon.com slash saveyoursanity. Learn more about how to work with me via video conference, join my optimized circles, or subscribe to this podcast and my YouTube channel at my website, transformingrelationship.com. Talk soon.